Hello, welcome to This Week in the Atlantic Coast Conference, the podcast for allsportsdiscussion.com. This is Jeff, one of your podcast co-hosts, and you can follow me on Twitter at TalkinACSports. The podcast moderator is Matthew, and you can follow him at ASD underscore Hokey Smash. I'm going to turn it over to Matthew as he gets our guest in. We have a great return guest tonight. We have an awesome return guest tonight. Thank you, Jeff. And welcome, as I said, welcome, as Jeff said, to the Atlantic Coast, uh, this week in the Atlantic Coast Conference. This is the podcast for allsportsdiscussion.com. This is the longest running independent ACC podcast in the country. And tonight we have an awesome return guest, just a special guest coming back to us. Joining us this week is National College Football Blogger, Football Writers Association of America member, youth football coach extraordinaire, fellow airplane fan, Terry Johnson. You can follow Terry on Twitter at, at Terry P. Johnson. That's at T-E-R-R-Y-P-J-O-H-N-S-O-N. And Terry, welcome back. We're happy to have you again on the longest-running independent ACC podcast in the United States. Please tell us about yourself, what you're up to, and anything else that you want to talk about, man. The floor is yours. Thank you for coming back to the podcast Hi Terry, we can't. Uh, we can yeah. barely hear you, Terry. Is your is? We can barely hear you right now. Uh, yeah, I, I can't hear you at all, Terry. Myself. Yeah. How about now? How about now? A, a little better. Can you turn the volume up a little bit, or can you? Uh, if you're using, sometimes it works better to speak directly into the phone. Yeah, that's what I'm doing now. So I, I was like, saying, there we go. That's a little better. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes it doesn't necessarily work with the headset. Go ahead, sir. Thanks again for working. It's, it's one of those, yeah, we'll charge you $350 for the headset, but you want to talk to people? Well, forget that. Um, <laughs> anyways, I was going to say, I, I'm, thank you so much for you guys having me back. I've always set my watch by this. I know it's time for football season. Um, and, you know, for the past few years, it's been like, hey, I know it's time for me to get my football roster and to get out coaching. But as you guys mentioned, I'm, uh, um, I've been a uh, member of the Football Writers Association of America since 2011. Um, just kind of do some independent blogging wherever it needs it. Uh, you guys will probably see me more often this year than usual because my oldest is in middle school and that's one less kid to coach. Uh, <laughs> but anyways, um, like I say, I've been at it for a while. Uh, follow mostly uh, Utah, Georgia, Florida, just whomever. Uh, uh, Whatever team inspires me, uh, like say, I, I followed the Gators a bunch last year because there's a local coach here. That he actually, his dad um, was a coach at Murray County for a long time. So that's one of the things I do. But anyways, I coach uh, youth football. I love coaching offensive line. Um, when I'm not involved in football, I'm typically code, learning something new. And, uh, you know, I'd love to tell you guys I had it all figured out. I've been doing it uh, 25 years, but the only thing I've figured out is that I don't know it all, I'll never know it all, and always need to improve. Continual learning and improvement is about is what my life is about, and I'm sure Jeff will 
100% agree with that, Terry. I'm right on board there with you with that. Right on board there with you with uh, on that. So, man, let's get to it, man. I mean, this is a homer question for me here, but are you seeing some momentum at Virginia Tech with the new coaching staff? And I'm talking about recruit. I'm really talking about recruiting here and building relationships within the state, potentially seeing it turnaround in the program maybe not necessarily this year but i feel like i feel like give me let me give you a good example terry i kind of felt like it was a blunder of the fuente staff never to visit michael vick's high school to recruit any uh, players for virginia tech oh i would agree with that we, we made a lot of blunders i mean uh, we we saw last year, uh we saw last year hendon hooker what did he do at tennessee he had the volunteers on the cusp of competing but no, we want to play Braxton Burmeister because we need to give him some more snaps. Now, funny story with that. Yes, Braxton Burmeister's in the NFL. Guess what? He's not as a quarterback. And I'm not saying Frank Beamer didn't ever make that mistake because, you know, we'll all call Logan Thomas. We used to always make jokes about how he'd be a great NFL tight end. He was. Uh, but that's exactly what happened. Yes, you've got to recruit. I mean, that, that is one thing that I, I don't think uh, Coach Fuente got was that you've got to compete. Everybody else is out there trying to get superstars. I mean, you had the quarterback of the future right there. You had, at one time, I want to say, you had Hendon Hooker. You had Braxton Burmeister. You had Quincy Patterson. Now, I know Quincy Patterson's kind of bounced around, but it's like you had tremendous upside of that position. Had Hendon Hooker won that job, you wouldn't have to recruit quarterbacks very hard to be like, oh, Hendon Hooker, Virginia Tech. Oh, man, I want to put up some huge numbers and uh, go to the NFL. How do I do that? I need to get over to Virginia Tech. It wouldn't be a tough sell. It would kind of be, this is a bad example, I guess, but it'd kind of be like having an iPhone. You've never heard anybody sell an iPhone. The product is so good that it sells itself. And I'm telling you, I was floored that Fuente's staff never visited Virginia. I mean, this Michael Vick is pretty much one of the top five players ever to play at Virginia Tech. And really, he's really who put Virginia Tech on the map more than anybody else. I mean, certainly you can talk about Bruce Smith, but when people think of Virginia Tech, they think of Michael Vick. And the, this new staff has made just incredible strides on basically redeveloping the relationships with the high schools in Virginia. And Jeff and I were talking about this. I mean, more of those players are staying back in state now. And I think that I mean, I think that you're going to see some good things in the future from Virginia Tech. Oh, I agree with you. There, that, that is uh, high school coaches. That is, that is one thing as a college coach is you have to have those relationships because even if, it, even if they can't necessarily help you right now, they may have somebody that will. So it's all about building relationships. And this is, uh, I hate to go red foreman, grumpy old man here, but this is why I hate the transfer portal because you hear so many high school coaches, they can't get their kids into school. They're like, well, we'd rather just go ahead and spend it on somebody that has a year of experience rather than to give this, you know, your kid who we think could be a great quarterback. We're not going to offer him a scholarship. He can go and fend for himself, and then maybe we'll pick him up later in the transfer portal. So it's glad to see uh, Coach Pry doing it the right way. Definitely, definitely. So as we go on here, it's now up for you, Jeff. The floor is yours, friend. All right. Thank you, Matthew. All right, Terry. Gl gl very glad to have you on today. Um, 
Let's jump right in uh, to Miami. How important of a year is it for Miami football coach Mario Cristobal? It's very important. Um, and it, I, I just can't stress this enough. He had everything handed to him. He has to win, and he has to win now. He wanted Oregon with considerably less talent against, in my opinion, clearly superior talent. Okay, the Ducks continued to win when he left. He came to Miami, and the Canes struggled. Now, I, I get that we're, some of that they want to put on Gaddis, and that's fine, but he's out of excuses now. The offense has to produce, and it has to do it now. You can't win games when you – top two teams in the ACC last year, they had 188 yards of total offense against Florida State. They had 98 against Clemson. You're not going to win. That offense has to produce and has to produce now. And, again, Miami's not going to be very patient when you're shelling out um, that kind of cash. I mean, that, that, I hate to say it, but this is a kind of a byproduct of name, image, and likeness. We're giving you money. We're pitching in. You better win now. Uh, it, it, I, as I say, uh, Bart Doan, a friend of the show, would say it's not quite as bad as soccer yet where you lose one match, you're fired forever. But uh, I feel like college football is kind of getting that way. Uh, he, he's got all the tools. He's got all the talent. It just needs to translate into results. All right. Um now, give us your thoughts, Terry, on the momentum brewing at a couple ACC football schools. Uh, we want to look at Duke. You know, after their nine-win season, uh, Louisville uh, had an eight-win season last year. Their previous coach is gone, Scott Satterfield, but they have Mr. Brom back. The prodigal son returns to Louisville. Okay, well, I'll start with Duke. And I, I'm going to say, for, for those that aren't familiar with my writing, um, I'm the first one to admit when he screws up. And guess what? I was dead wrong on Duke. I thought they'd just be okay. And they won nine games. Uh, I don't think they'll do that this year. Their schedule is just too tough. Uh, you, they've got the one game at here. It starts out against Jim Mora and UConn. That was, Jim Mora did arguably the best job in the country last year turning the Huskies into a contender. Okay, so that's that's one of those that's a that's a trapdoor game. I don't like it. Okay, so it's one of those is that if you don't win that game, or let's say you win that game, but you you, you don't blow them out as everybody would expect, then you've got Notre Dame, NC State, Louisville, Wake Forest, and North Carolina. There aren't too many teams that are gonna go through that slate five and zero to win nine games. Uh, you know there are some, but you know they're also ranked in the top ten or fifteen in the country. So I think Duke takes a little bit of a step back, but they're still going to be a fun team to watch. And I love coach Elko and what he's doing there. Uh, I wish him nothing but success. And while we're on the topic of success, boy, I love what they're doing at Louisville. And let's be honest, Cardinal fans deserve some success after underachieving the past few years. And um, I, I don't think we want to get me started on Kenny Payne. I, I mean, uh, let's just say that, my 9-10 and 10 basketball team won as many games as his team did. So, a little bit of concern. But anyways, with Brom taking over, I really like your chances. You know that the passing game will be solid. I mean, it doesn't matter whether he has a five-star recruit or my 10-year-old son in the other room. They're going to score points, and they're going to pass the ball. And, I mean, you think about that, the games they lost last year, 35-1, to Florida State, just needed one more score in several different games. And – even still, it wasn't 
necessarily a terrible season, but it could have been back um, in the pre-motorcycle wreck days of Bobby Petrino or, you know, up among the top contenders. So, I mean, I, I really like their chances. Uh, his new leadership, I think, will be the difference. I have him going 8-4. and four. I wouldn't be surprised if they went 10-2. and two. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. And, uh, like I say, I'm going to have the uh, DVR going when they're on because I, I just I like that offense. I like the way they do things. I like everything about the hire. Um, you know, it's hard to say. I, I know um, a lot of people would say, well, you know, Louisville, uh, you know, didn't underachieved last year. It's like, no, they, they had a good team. I just feel like they have a better coach now. I mean, they, they, you know, it's hard when you get a new coach. You know, when your coach leaves for a quote-unquote better job, which I would argue Cincinnati is not, there's always that thing that, hey, maybe we're not, but they got a big-time upgrade, and they got to do it without paying a major buyout. So, hey, win-win for everybody. All right. Um uh, it seems like we asked this question last year. Um, we're going to ask it again. Does Clemson get its offense fixed? And they've got some new faces. We've got Cade Klubnick at quarterback replacing DJ Uyangale. we got Garrett Riley uh, replacing Brandon Streeter. Is it going to get fixed this year? Um, well, to me, the biggest problem, I would say, is the offensive line. Now, I think with Garrett Riley coming in, he's a, he's a great play caller. He's a great tactician so to speak so if they don't develop the line like we're, we're used to seeing I mean that is really a, in my mind it wasn't necessarily quarterback that was a problem it wasn't necessarily it was the offensive line I mean go back to and this is a while because Clemson fans hey uh, I admit I'm one too let's be honest anyways you're used to think about when Deshaun was there you're used to those big nasty offensive lines that paved the way and when Watson left and we had the bridge from Watson to uh, Trevor Lawrence. You know, Kelly Bryant was there. They ran the ball down your throat. They got the ball. If they needed two yards, they'd bring in the big uglies and get it done. We really haven't seen that since Lawrence left. And to me, that is where the, the problem is. Now, I think the um, – I think bringing in Riley is, it brings in a couple of things. First of all, I think uh, Clemson realizes now that it's not necessarily spe- – I mean – they always prided themselves on, hey, we do it this way. But I think that's kind of waving a white flag to saying, hey, we've got to go outside just like every other program. We've got to find ways to get better. We've got to find ways to innovate. We've got to find ways to do things. And I think Riley will do that. The big key for Clemson, if they're going to keep up with the newly formed Big Ten and the NBC, if they're going to do that, they need to start recruiting five-tier linemen every year. Big, nasty guys that can pull you off the ball. If you don't have a good quarterback – you know, you don't need one when you're getting six yards of carry. We haven't seen – I mean, again, and, and Shipley running the ball. He's a, he's a great player. Wouldn't you want somebody that could just give him a little bit more room to run than what he's had? So I think the offense is better, but I think for Clemson to succeed going forward, they have got to get better on the offensive line. All right. Um Terry, which which ACC team takes a step forward this year, and which ACC team takes a step backward? I think as far as taking a step forward, I've got uh, Louisville there. I mean, they, they would have pretty much the same record, but I mean, I think they'll be the. It won't be like years past where it's like, well, if we get them on the right week, it's not a problem. It'd be like, oh crap, 
Cardinals on the schedule. We better sweat it. So I think they'll be better. And I'm going to put Georgia Tech in there. I don't think they're going to win the conference. I don't think they're going to be a top contender. But they're going to irritate a few people by winning games that they shouldn't. Um, I really like, uh, you know, what I'm seeing there. A young man to keep an eye on. And part of it, I'm biased as can be. He played uh, at the high school that, you know, my youth program used to feed into. A young man named Jamie Felix. Guy's a player. He will get it done. He will be a surprise. I like the, I like what uh, Georgia Tech's got going on there. I think in a couple of years they'll be back to, you know, about what we expected them to be under Paul Johnson. As far as uh, take a step back, I think there's Duke. Um, a lot of people are going to say Pittsburgh. I'm going to say no, don't, because – and th this is what's funny is Pat Narduzzi, what, he's done such a good job with the program. It's like you don't even have to read the previews on them anymore. It's like – yeah, they lost all these people, but here's what's going to happen. They're going to bring in a big-name quarterback, you know, Mr. Jerkovic. We already know what he can do. Uh, they're going to be rock-solid on defense, and it doesn't matter who it is. Their running backs coach is going to, you know, build up whoever's there, have an NFL caliber. So I don't think the Panthers take a step back. So uh, as far as going forward, I think Louisville and Georgia Tech – I think Duke takes a step back, and Pittsburgh does not. But like I'm saying, you'll hear a lot of people say that they are. I don't buy it. All right. Thank you, Terry. Matthew, I'm going to turn it over to you now for the last couple questions in the podcast. And we still got you muted here, Matthew. Sorry about that. I'm on mute. I'm outside. It's pouring. <laughs> All right, man. So let's get, let's get, let's get, let's get to it. Let's get to it, man. Lightning round. Who is your preseason 2023 ACC football coach of the year? And which 2023 ACC football coach is in the hot seat, Terry? Uh, coach of the year is going to be Debo Swinney. Uh, I know a lot of people aren't picking the Tigers to win. I might not be either. But I think he, he basically, this is the year he takes a step forward. This is the year that people start realizing that, you know, it is his leadership that made the program uh, what it is. As far as um, coach on the hot seat, well, I was going to say, Coach Cristobal's hot seat is so hot, I could probably grill hot dogs from my house here in uh, Dalton, Georgia. So, I hope for his sake that, that he does well because, to be honest, college football is a lot better when Miami's a villain, but I just don't see it happening, and I think uh, there's going to be some real interesting discussions when November rolls around. Who plays for and who wins the ACC title? Florida State, and I'm, I'm going to explain this why because my, my logic is a little convoluted, but it makes sense. It'll be a rematch. It'll be of the September 23rd Classic, which I say Clemson wins. However, what's going to happen is Clemson is going to lose a heartbreaker against some guy named Beamer, and Clemson's going to kind of limp into the game. I think Florida State wins the rematch, prompting – me and uh, Matt Zemek to get in the whole thing about, you know, whether or not rematches in the college football season are a good thing. So I've got the Seminoles winning.
So take let's take a look at the national college football uh, picture here. Give us your four college football teams as of today and who you think wins the national title and will the ACC uh, be in that picture. The floor is yours. Okay, well, I was going to say, uh, what would what would a Terry Johnson uh, thought process be without a conspiracy? Um, I'm going to sense conspiracy now in my picks. And my picks are Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, and USC. Uh, I think the ACC can get in the mix if Florida State beats LSU and if Clemson beats South Carolina late in the year. I don't see it happening. I also think with the Pac-12 dying a painful death, maybe USC edges out TCU. But the conspiracy nut in me says, oh, no, it's the power two now. So Alabama and Georgia will both get bids. Ohio State and soon-to-be Big Ten USC gets in. And I know there's like, well, that's a conspiracy. Go back to 2011 when we had the whole Oklahoma State versus Alabama. Gary Pinkle was changing conferences. Gary Pinkle voted for his new conference and the old one. And for whatever reason, if USC finishes with one loss and TCU finishes with one loss, which is what I have right now, USC is going to get that bid. And I, I feel that Florida, Florida State and Clemson, because they beat each other, are going to cancel each other out. And I hate to see that because, that, you know, 12-team playoff, they would both be in. They would both have home games. That's how good they are. Well done, Terry. Let, uh, open microphone time. Terry, what do you got for us? You're the first guest on the – Well, a couple of things. I, look, the ACC whipped here. When I think of the ACC, I think of two things. I think of awesome sports programs. I think of academics that are so awesome that they would never let me in. I feel they missed an opportunity here in this whole expansion thing. If I were the ACC – you got your grant of rights. Teams aren't going to go. Go get Stanford. Go get California. Go get Oregon. Go get Washington. I don't like that if we're going to 16 teams, I feel like the ACC probably needed to make a move here. And, I'm, I mean, for purely selfish reasons, yeah, bring in uh, Utah and Arizona and the other school. And, hey, who would mind having Deion Sanders in Atlanta every now and then? I certainly wouldn't. So I feel like the ACC probably should have been a little bit more proactive there. I know there were some things going on behind the scenes, but we missed an opportunity. The ACC needed to be a 16-team league, if for nothing else, just to show our other Southern folks there, hey, there's, there's other good football conferences in the South you can play from. I, I don't want to see it fade. So I, I really hope that they expand or, or you know, maybe plunder, or I, I don't know what it is. I just need to see it done because – this is the best football that I enjoy watching every week. I, I really wanted to see the ACC kind of get in front of the Big 12. I feel like the teams are better than the Big 12 right now, but we'll see. Uh, the other thing I wanted to point out, I very rarely call for change, but I'm going to call for one. I want to see all high schools across the country pass this rule. If you are ineligible in one district, you may not transfer and play into another district. We saw that here with a kid in – he, he was in as top Rayola. He was the top recruit in the country as a quarterback. His coach left for whatever reason. He tried to transfer to another school in Arizona. They said, no, you can't do that. You'll have to sit out five games. Then he transfers to a school in Georgia that already has 
several other top-level recruits, and voila, they're in the top ten in the country. Uh, I don't like it. I don't think that should be allowed to happen. We've already seen that happen up here once. A young man named Jake Garcia came to Valdosta, was ruled ineligible, transferred to Grayson, miraculously won the state title. Yeah, sounds real good. I'm sorry, but if I'm a high school coach, I'm going to win with the kids I have. I don't need to go out and recruit others, and if I can't do that, I shouldn't be coaching. That's just my opinion. Well said, Terry. Uh, this is a moment where I'm actually going to cede my open microphone time to Jeffrey Fan, who I'm sure has a lot to say about realignment, but I'm just going to say something very quickly. Five, and I think I wrote that, you know, in fact, I'll probably probably cede this, cede this to Jeff as well, but Jeff, first of all, I'm ceding my, ceding my realignment uh, open microphone time to you. I wrote about it. I wrote about it a little bit at all sports discussion. I'm sure you could brief people on that. But the second part, and I just looked ahead of this briefly, that first weekend of college football, that's, I don't call it week zero, right? I call it week one. That's Labor Day weekend. The best five games that weekend are in the ACC. Go ahead, Jeff. The floor is yours. Yeah, we probably could have spent the uh, entire podcast talking about realignment um unfortunately it's something that just keeps up every off season and i I think you know all the stuff that happened last week and terry you kind of touched on it with with the acc's kind of continued inactivity but I i think at the end of the day it's just it's really i mean i can't believe that the pac 12 is, is no longer. I mean, it may still have their name in the future. Um, if somehow Oregon State, Washington State, Stanford and Cal somehow, you know, I've heard there's possibly going to merge with the Mountain West Conference or something like that. But um, I mean, this is it's just unbelievable. And it doesn't seem like we're anywhere close to this being over. And even and I'm not just talking about, you know, what's going on with the with, with the ACC and Florida State, I mean, it really looks like going into next decade that there, there's going to be consolidation of programs within conferences. They, I, I already There was already an article in the, from the Chicago Tribune about breaking the Big Ten into the, um, you know, getting to 20 and then having the top 10 programs and the top, the bottom 10 programs splitting. I mean, if we keep going down this, this path, I mean, that is, that's the next rate, you know, Alabama's going to look at it in the SEC and saying, why am I sharing with, with Ole Miss here? Why am I sharing with, with Vanderbilt and South Carolina? You know, it's, it's LSU and Georgia and us, we're the ones who are carrying this flag and Ohio state's wondering why they're sharing with Minnesota. And, you know, that's, that's, it seems like the inevitability. I mean, when you look at, and, and what really made me think, and they've talked about it for a long time where we're really the scary thing is a program like Oregon and Washington headed to the big 10 and having to take $30 million, which is going to be approximately half of what their conference peers are going to make uh, for the duration of the contract. I mean, I know they were desperate. They had to find a home, uh, and you know they're they're making like a ten and fifteen year decision, but for the next five, I mean they they basically are, are going to be 
tens of millions behind of the teams they're going to compete against. You know, how, how do you, how do you manage? How do you manage that? They've, they've already created a have and a have not there in the big 10. And, and that kind of cre- creates when you look at it, th- these media companies are the, uh, you know, the ESPNs and the Fox, they're getting tapped out. And that bring kind of brings me to Florida state. If Florida state, thinks they're going to get a full share from from the SEC or the Big 10. I mean, there's there's just putting dollars on top of dollars of being behind because it's really looking like any new ads are going to go the route of the Oregon and um uh Washington here. So you join a new conference, you get paid half of what they do. You got the ACC exit fee plus the grant of rights. That's a ton of money. <laughs> I think we all can kind of figure that out. We're talking, you know, literally in the hundreds of millions of dollars. Um, yeah, if, if, if you're looking for a way out right now, the the SEC and the Big Ten hold all the cards. Um, they can pick and choose who they want at any value that they want, because these media companies, you, you're not going to you're not you're not joining the those conferences now and, and getting those, their 60 and $65 million that they're getting uh, next year, you're going to be incredibly far behind your, your peers for a while. So, I mean, this, you, you would think like, okay, Hey, PAC 12 just died. Um, maybe we're kind of nearing somewhat the end of this here in the next couple of years. And it doesn't seem like it at all. It, it, it seems like this is just going to keep going and going and, and going until we're consolidating teams, until we're left with the Big Ten and SEC, and one's number one and one's number two. So somebody's last in that situation. And I don't think you, if you're Ohio State or you're Alabama and you look at the other and they're $20 million ahead of you, what's going to happen there? You're going to start making a fuss in your conference. It's just, I'm, re- I'm ready for the season to start. I'm just ready for the season to start. This this is the last <laughs> one of the last great years of college footballs we'll see. I think the Pac-12 is going to be a fantastic conference this year. I can't wait to to watch some Pac-12 after dark for the last time. Okay, hold on a second. Let me add something here. Right, this is the, let's go. I talked about this the first weekend. No particular order. I'm talking August 30th. You know that's the Labor Day weekend. Louisville, Georgia Tech. LSU at, at, at FSU, UNC of South Carolina, Clemson at Duke, and NC State at UConn, Terry. Those, I think, really are the five best national games that weekend. Hard to argue with that. And I was going to say, I know I tooted the horn for UConn, but that's a, that's a dangerous game. That, that's some really good football. I feel like Jim Moore is doing a great job out there. Don't, don't sleep on that game. Don't be surprised if – that game pretty easily they're they're a very good team they're one of the best ones in the league but don't sleep on that one that that's one that i'd love to watch myself all right well terry thank you so much for joining the all sports discussion acc podcast and thank you for putting up for that uh, we had a, a a rain scenario there for a minute in, in the later later podcast it started pouring when i was walking outside We appreciate you coming on the All Sports Discussion ACC podcast and previewing ACC and national college football. 
we'd love to have you come back on the show in December time, uh, December, just like you do every year. Yes, sir. That'd be awesome. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Have a great week, guys. Take care. Be good.